This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 17, Episode 51. This is Writing Excuses. Feel the burn. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Dong Lan. I'm Piper J. Drake. I'm Pung. I'm Marshall. I'm Aaron. Okay, so this week we are talking about a big topic, and that topic is burnout. It's been a long few years, guys. There's been a lot going on. Yes. Um, Burnout is an issue for writers and people in publishing generally, uh, kind of at any time, but I feel like that's been a little bit elevated over the past few years. Um, I know it's something that I've struggled with personally, both before this whole stuff kicked off before pandemic started and also a little bit in the past couple of years. You know, how about you guys? Have you been going Absolutely. through it? Absolutely. And it has made major life impacts for me. Um, I will say I burnt out so hard after working really hard in my day job in uh, 2020 that I had a heart attack in 2021. And I also ended up having a very difficult discussion with my editor about the fact that my contracted work that was contracted for romantic suspense was one that I could not continue to write. And so we decided as a team, my agent, my editor, myself, and my publicist, that we would shelve that romantic suspense because I couldn't continue to write it and completely brainstormed an entirely new concept that would be a contemporary fantasy series instead, which is launching in April 2023 instead. And I feel super lucky that we worked that out. Yeah, um, I have a, actually have a question. I want to go back when we get to this point in the podcast to ask you about the book that you shelved because I, you know, related to burnout. and um, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would say, so for me, the it was really a perfect storm of burnout-inducing stuff that happened because I was working on the dreaded second novel at the same time that the pandemic happened. And so it was really... Both of those things are already very hard by themselves. And then together, it was just, it was great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so um, I'm a teacher. And during COVID um, lockdown, uh, that's when I burn out. It was really rough to sit at that computer all day um, and speak to students and try to teach them. And everybody's stressed. Um, My kids are stressed. They're trying to get their stuff done. And so I'm in a little bit of a different position. I'm working on things. But during that time, I really struggled, really struggled to write at all. Um, What kickstarted the back end of that was starting a master's program, which is forcing me to write. So, but the burnout is real. I'm still, still feel like I'm feeling it. I feel like you're trying to solve your burnout with more work, which is a real choice. Honestly, that's what's happening. And that's okay. I'll get there. Sometimes it works. (laughs) I'll say, uh, I think a lot of my burnout was more uh, things that happened during COVID than COVID itself. So I used to work at a social justice philanthropy nonprofit in communications. And so when things happen in the world, like Black Lives Matter protests, like just shenanigans, bad things in the world, it was my job to come up with like a really measured, kind response, which meant that I didn't have a lot of time to actually process. I had to like get something out within 24 hours that's like the perfect wording that will make everyone feel better about the world when nobody can. And so the effect on me was that I started shifting as a person because I was taking a lot of the emotions in and that made me shift as a writer. And I spent a lot of time fighting 
the new writer I was becoming by trying to like go back and make projects work that I was in the middle of instead of acknowledging that as I'm changing, my writing is changing and therefore the project is changing. I think that's a really interesting insight because there is a book that kept getting uh, recommended over and over and over again. And I think you might have been thinking of the same one, Dongwan, but I can't remember the author. Um, so we'll have to put it in the show notes, but it was about burnout and and dealing with it and the fact that in these cycles of things that are happening to us, stressful situations that are happening to us, oftentimes people move forward and don't actually process emotionally. And what that would do was actually just delay or prolong burnout and make it worse and worse. And I think a lot of times people think that if they just change environment or change something, they feel that relief and burnout's over. But it's not. There's a lot of long-term recovery time required for burnout. Well, and I think for me, one of the hardest things about burnout for me is that it takes me a really long time to realize that I'm burned out, that that's what's wrong. And so, you know, sometimes that's, you, you can be burned out for like years without actually realizing that you're burned out. And then that's a whole nother, once you acknowledge that you're burned out, that's a whole nother phase that you've got to go through. But it's, um, how, how do you all know that you're burned out? Are we, are we, are we getting better at recognizing it in ourselves now? Or? I think I'm learning to spot it a little bit better. You know, for me, you know, I struggled a little bit, as I mentioned, with burnout before. I used to work for a startup that was like insane hours, you know, working under incredible pressure. And so when I left that job, I, de- I took some time off and really had this moment of like, I have been doing too much for too long. And, you know, that was also coincided with the move across the country and all kinds of stuff. Um, So I kind of had a little bit of experience with it before. And then, you know, as I was building my agenting business over the last, you know, five years before the pandemic started, and, you know, it, it, I'd taken on so much and taken on so many clients and had so many projects and there was so much coordination that I think it took me a little while to realize, you know, once we got to this point where I was just inside all the time, you know, and not able to go out into the world. I was traveling constantly. I was like gone a week out of the uh, out of every month for the year before. And so when it, when it came to to slow down and stop, I just completely stopped and had a really hard time figuring it, even getting through my normal day to day to do list for those first few months. Um, and you know, I think it was a big moment of having to really sit down and look at my priorities, look at the boundaries I had in my life, and look at like what I had taken on and what I had committed to over the past few years. I think I should learn to do better because what was happening was I was so functional in my dysfunctionality. Um, And I do uh, suffer some elements of ADHD and executive dysfunction, things like that. But my coping mechanisms helped mask it so much. I was so effective with time, time management and task management, project management, program management because of the skills that I developed over the course of my career with my day job that I masked everything until I literally suffered heart attack. And then I was ordered on bed rest and I just stared and was not able to function, not being allowed to do anything. So we actually had to figure out um, that my physical, like we would notice my physicality first, like the elevated heart rate, the fact that I have a tendency to stress bake or stress cook when I'm starting to feel stress or that I have a tendency to project plan as a form of procrastination. People are like, wow, you're so great at planning 
Wow, you're so great at creating task lists. Wow, the whole wall is covered with post-it notes of your task lists. Color-coordinated, shape-oriented, categorized. You're burning out. And that looks so effective and functional, but it was actually signs of me burning out. I've started getting a little bit better about um, noticing it as well. Um, A lot of times it has to do with when I start sleeping worse or, you know, trying to cram too many things in late at night, um, that kind of stuff. Um, I started saying no to things, which has helped, um, especially at work. It's so Um, good and so hard. It's so hard. And then I coached the golf team for 12 years at my high school. And I just had to say I couldn't I didn't want to I wanted to do it for the kids. But I just had to say, no, I couldn't because of all the other things. Now, I don't know if the balance is any better, but um, I did say no to a couple of things. So that's been helpful. But I want to circle back one more to something Aaron said as well. I did write something. Um, You mentioned Black Lives Matter when all that stuff came up. I got I did a lot of angry writing and I turned a really angry uh, rant into an, an essay that got published on NBC Think. So that was kind of. That felt like something. Yeah. <laughs> Processing, at least. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Let's pause for a moment to talk about our book of the week. Uh, A little difficult to insert in that pretty heavy conversation. But uh, Piper, why don't you take it away? So I think we can say that um, this book was written during the pandemic. And uh, to Marshall's point, I was so proud of myself that I actually managed to write it because this was the book that we switched over to after we realized I was burnt out and couldn't write romantic suspense anymore. So it is a contemporary fantasy titled Wings Once Cursed and Bound. It features a Thai-American heroine who is also a throwback Kinari, which is a Thai bird princess, uh, particularly from Thai mythology, one of my favorite, favorite mystical beings from Thai mythology. And I just would really love to see more and more Southeast Asian mythologies out there in books and in media that I decided to write them. And this story is very much kind of hijinks and shenanigans in search of objects of myth and magic and bringing them in before they can do harm. And there's other groups uh, that are opposed to that and really want to take objects of myth and magic and just toss them into the most dense human population possible just so humans can implode, right? So that's basically the premise of the series. And Wings Once Cursed and Bound is really centered around this Thai-American heroine, um, the romances that she has, a vampire who really just wanted the shoes that she got cursed with, but, uh, you know, she didn't die, so he didn't really know what to do with her. And um, shenanigans ensue. And 
yeah, I'm super excited to be able to share Wings Once Kirsten Bound coming out April 2023. So depending on when this podcast airs, it is already up for pre-order, but it may be available for purchase directly. And so the one, cover. Ugh. So once again, our book of the week is Wings Once Cursed and Bound by Piper J. Drake. Um, so for the back half of this, I want to pivot a little bit to talking about recovery. I mean, I don't know that any of us are necessarily all the way out of it, right? Like it's a progress, it's a process and a slow process. But uh, do any of you have things that you've been trying or has been working for you or you've had work in the past? You know, um, if there's been anything that has been particularly effective at helping you. So I will ignore you and first uh, say one quick thing to the first half, which is that I'm, I think it actually does relate to recovery, which is that the people we are as writers are also the people we are as people. And I think that's something we often forget is that we're not in a different box as a writer. So something that I've been trying my whole life is to understand my tells, like a poker tell. So if I start doing something odd that I've never done before, I'm always like, why? I figured it out the first time I would always buy lottery tickets. I would suddenly feel compelled to buy lottery tickets when I hated my job. And it was always the first sign that I hated my job was I'd be like, wow, that, that scratch off is just looking real compelling today. And so that was the tell. And on the other side, I often look for what are the things that have helped me recover from things that are not burnout, but any time that I've sort of dealt with a crisis in my life. I find sometimes just like taking walks, it's a very kind of thing that people say, but I made myself, at one point I said, for 30 days, I'm going to like go out and take the air like a Jane Austen heroine every day at 7 p.m. I'm just going to take a stroll and walk around just to get myself out of the rut because I was finding that I was spending the whole day and night just working and working and sitting at my desk, working from home. And so I was like, anything I can do to break the cycle, that's helped me before when I've needed to get out of things. And so it will help with a writing type of burnout as well. Uh, this is uh, recovering for, or taking steps to try to recover for burnout is complicated for me because I have realized about myself, and I don't actually have a conclusion to this, but it's something that I've Notice, so maybe I can slowly figure out a healthier way forward. But for me, a bad writing day is still more fulfilling than not writing at all. But also, when you're really burned out, you do need some kind of a break. But then it's this weird cycle of I, I still, even when I'm incredibly burned out, I still feel better if I wrote terribly than if I didn't write at all. And so it's interesting that the, you know, the medicine is also making things worse in a way. Uh, and I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I just wanted to put it out there because I think a lot of us do, as writers, feel guilt over taking time off. And sometimes you really should take time off. But on the other hand, sometimes keeping writing is what actually gets me over the hump eventually, you know. There's a comic I see going around that sometimes it's like, too burnt out to work, but when you try to rest, all you do is you think about work, so yeah. then you just <laughs> exactly split the difference that. and just feel bad the whole time. Yeah. Anyways, I'm poorly summarizing it, but yeah. No, but it's exactly that. I find that a major part of my personality is that I like to achieve things. And if you tell me, today is going to be your rest day and you're not going to do anything, or the doctor says, you're going to rest for a month in bed and not do anything but go to the bathroom, um, that's horrific to me. It's incredibly stressful to me. It doesn't make me feel like I can recover from burnout at all because 
all my brain does is churn on all these things that I need to do. So we had to figure out things for me to do on bed rest that left me feeling like I had achieved something, even if it was just brushing my dog. I have achieved, you know, getting my dog to actually like do the little leg twitch three times today, which means I was good at the pets, right? Like that kind of thing. Like I needed to achieve things that brought me joy. So my task list started to include things like eat pie, take a nap. My task list started to include things that were very, very doable in addition to the big task items. So at the, at, at, at the end of a work period that I would allow myself, I can be like, hey, I accomplished things and that makes me feel super good and makes me feel super energetic. And, and I started paying more attention to including things in my day that made me happy and that and making those more of a priority than things that were important to get done to reach somebody else's goal. Yeah, my my recovery most of the time consists of uh, going to play golf really early in the morning and listening to podcasts as I do it in between shots. Um, it helps. It doesn't take anything off my plate necessarily, but I found I'm able to handle those things so much better if I get up and play at least nine holes. It doesn't have to be 18 holes, but, you know, so when the golf course opened up again after the lockdown, I made an arrangement to go before they even open, and I'm teeing off at 7.30 in the morning, and it's a beautiful walk next to the ocean, and that's lovely. So that's what I do. Yeah, I think I'm kind of in a similar camp to Marshall where I found that my hobbies were the thing that kind of saved me. You know, um, I like to do woodworking. I build furniture, and so, like, spending time in the shop, which was so hard to be like, I'm going to take today and go to the shop and do this difficult thing that's going to be exhausting and like all the stuff. But as soon as I started doing it, it just unlocked all these other parts of my brain. And, you know, I think sometimes when we're working, we're taking things out of the tank and we forget to put stuff back in the tank. Right. And, you know, Pung, I think even what you were saying that sometimes the work can be refilling in its own way, even was not going great, but there's also times where you just need to go do something else, go outside, go for a walk. You know, I got into hiking and birding during the pandemic. Both those things helped me a lot. So, you know, I think there's all these different strategies. And the thing that I would say is if you're feeling this way, go easy on yourself. A lot of people are. I think the vast majority of my authors, sorry, guys, I'm calling you out, but are, are behind on projects. And that's fine. You know, everybody is. Everybody's delayed right now. And, you know, it's been a really difficult time. And don't put that pressure on yourself to immediately be the person that maybe you were when you were starting out. Um, and you are evolving, your process is evolving, and you'll find the strategies that work for you that sort of get you back to the place that you want to be as a writer. So um, we are pretty much out of time at this point, but thank you all for talking about this really difficult topic. I think that is really helpful for people to hear people at y'all's level talk about um, our experiences with this. So uh, this has been Writing Excuses. Wait, You're, wait, wait. Oh. Homework. We didn't decide on homework. I know. Do we have homework? I've got homework. Yay! Great. I've got homework I just made up. Um, so <laughs> one of the things that I think I find helpful uh, to go with what Dong Wan said is treating yourself the way that you would treat someone else um, because a lot of times we are kinder to other people and gentler and so much more gracious than we are to ourselves. So homework is to write yourself a letter as if it was someone else and just say whatever it is, like whatever, like how you're doing. Like if if you came to yourself and said, I'm burned out, I'm working all these projects, what would your reply be? Write that down. That's your homework. 
I love that homework. I love that so much. I love it. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write or take a break, whatever you need. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. 